0: we uh-huh.
1: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, July 12th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to joined by Matt Baxendale. All right, champ. Um, we're going to get into a lot of Ohio State topics uh, later in the show. I just want to start off real quick talking about the stuff at Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald obviously being fired. Um, where do they go from here? Like, how do you view that job? They've done a great job upgrading their facilities, not their stadium itself, although... Um, They do have that in the works, too, that they're going to renovate their stadium. $800 million project if it goes through. But they do have a state-of-the-art football facility that overlooks Lake Michigan. You're in Chicago. But, you know, it's as we know, it's the Vanderbilt of the Big Ten. It's the academic restrictions there. Do you even think a good coach would be interested in that gig?
0: You know, it's funny. The Northwestern people that you see in the media, which is a ton of them, we're talking about, well, Brian Hartline. And I'm like, Brian Hartline's never going to sniff the Northwestern job. Are you kidding me? Brian Hartline, if he leaves Ohio State, will leave it to be the head coach at a place where he can win big, or not at all. I mean, that's 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 just the truth. Um, he can afford to be picky. Northwestern is a job that – look, it, I would say Northwestern's got less attractive as a job in the last couple of years here, even with the facility upgrades, because one of the big benefits of Northwestern was you could do what Fitz did which was you could win a weaker Big Ten West and make your way to a Big Ten championship game and have a chance in a one-off setting to win a conference title. But now that the Big Ten is going to just the top two overall teams, it's almost never going to have a prayer of being Northwestern. So, yeah, they have that spaceship that's on Lake Michigan, and it's a great, it's a great academic institution. But at the end of the day, it's, I would say it falls somewhere in the range of an Indiana as a, as a job in the Big Ten, just to be real honest, right? It might be a little bit more attractive than Indiana because it's in Chicago area, you know, but it's not even as good a job as like a Michigan State. It's not even as good of a job as a Nebraska, right? Like Chicago has okay recruiting in the, in the city. I mean, we've seen that with some guys Ohio State's pulled out of there recently, right? But at the end of the day, I don't really think Northwestern is going to be the kind of job that's going to attract people that don't have ties to Northwestern or aren't up and coming guys. So, you know, whether or not they should have hired Fitzgerald is a, is a debate that's ongoing. And we don't know enough information really to answer that at this point in time. But it's certainly going to be a real issue for them this season. Um, if I had to put money on it, my bet would be Mike Kafka getting the job, uh, former quarterback for them. He's probably the long term solution. There would be my guess.
1: What do you make of the people that say, well, you're going to fire Fitz for a culture problem, um, but didn't everybody have to know about it? Didn't Mike Kafka know about it? Didn't his current assistants know about it? Like, you're going to say he knew about it, um, and and that's why he was ultimately fired. Even if you say, well, if he didn't know about it, he should have known about it. Um, What do you make of that with the people that are saying you got to just completely clean house? Are you not buying that? How the hell do you do that? (laughs) Like, you're two weeks from camp starting or something like
0: that? I think we're two weeks from big 10 media days, at least. Right. How in the world do you just blow your whole program up and bring in a whole new batch of coaches? A, where are you going to find them? B, you're you're committing your team to a complete disaster berg of a season. C, the, the people are, the coaches remaining are the ones who are going to try to keep those kids in place. And D, it seems like this isn't really over yet because Fitzgerald's talking about suing and, I, I have no idea what's going on with it at this point. And I'll be honest, the guy's an institution there. He's probably the best football player to ever go play at Northwestern. He's the only coach that's ever made them remotely respectable. So uh, it seems like there's a, there's a lot of miles to go in this one. I, I don't think that they I – think, I think I'm think i curious to see whether the, the – because this investigation is going to be public, right, Dave? Like there's no way they can keep this uh, – confidential like their president saying if you're doing the level of firing fitzgerald for this you need to know what happened and when it happened and the northwestern people are convinced it's a player that transferred out after losing a starting role and decided to do it as a measure of personal revenge uh if you see their boards in, the, in northwestern twitter right now so I, I don't know how in the world you could remotely consider firing anybody but fits you can make your performative firing to try to make your point on it. And then we'll see what happens down the, the stretch here for them. But, I mean, it, it's already committing them to a, a pretty bad season, to say the least. So you can't fire the assistants. <laughs> yeah,
1: I I agree with you. I mean, it's this close to the season. What are you supposed to do? It's just uh, – I'm curious what they're going to do really in 2024. This is going to be a lost year for them. They weren't going to be good anyway. They were a 1-11 and last year, 3-9 and mm-hmm. the year before that. So they even, you know – even if, if the culture was good, like Fitz had that program in a downward spiral, and then you find out uh, what's going on there. All right, let's let's talk about our Ohio State Buckeyes. I want to talk about Sonny Styles. We all think, and there's a very good chance Sonny Styles could just blossom into a superstar this year. I mean, it's there. He's got all the tools. You know, he's a year under his belt, even though he should still be a, a true freshman this year. Um, he could break out as a superstar. What what are your reasonable expectations of for him this year? Do you expect superstar? If you had to like bet a reasonable amount of money, whatever it is it would be a meaningful amount of money for the people's champ Matt Baxendale. Do you think he's going to be a superstar? What's what, what do you expect out of Sonny this year? I expect
0: flashes. I expect a consistent rotation. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna hedge a little bit here and say if you told me at the end of the year Sonny Styles had a couple turnovers and maybe 50 tackles. I'd be, be like, okay, that makes sense for a kid who really should be just entering the program right now. Uh, we saw more than flashes against Georgia. He certainly could take the Von Bell route of getting to finally play more than the entire fan base had been begging for the entire year in the bowl game. And then the next year turning around and, and just going straight to the moon. There's a possibility for that. Uh, but you know we're going to have to see on that. There's a lot of talented kids he's competing with at the position. He's the X factor. He's the guy who should be, you know, know, the the guy on defense. If you had to pick one major difference maker that wasn't a D lineman, it would probably be him. We're going to have to see how much he gets utilized. I think probably the range of 50, 60 tackles, maybe a pick or two, a fumble, forced and recovered or two, is going to be kind of what we're looking at with him. But I do think he's going to be a pretty dynamic matchup option for them, especially against some of the bigger tight ends, since he is such a big body that can run. So that's kind of my expectation with him is, is that, especially as the year goes on, I think we see him take a larger role. But initially, you know, as much as we want him to immediately go out and be Sean Taylor but bigger, we're just going to have to realize this is a kid that should have been in high school last year and instead was playing for Ohio State.
1: Same question for C.J. Hicks. Now, I do think Sonny's going to have a bigger role than C.J. just because both starting linebackers are back. But I think they're going to find a way to get C.J. Hicks on the field, at least a decent amount, maybe more than that. And maybe he can beat Steele out. Maybe there'll be an injury. Who knows? What do you expect out of C.J. Hicks as a sophomore? Well, barring injury,
0: I think Hicks and Cody Simon are going to force at least a little more rotation. I mean, let's face it, Eichenberg at the end of last year had, what, two broken hands? something like that yeah, he yeah, was trying.
1: Yeah. Tommy no th- Knowles is hilarious like I hope well obviously I hope just for the Buckeye's sake the Buckeyes defense has a good year or great year but I I want the fan base to love Knowles because he's such a likable guy like he's out there talking us like yeah to- Tommy no thumbs out there you know it's just it sounds like a it sounds like a, like a mobster name or something like that Hey, yeah, yo uh, Tommy no thumbs
0: you don't want to see what happens when no thumbs comes for you <laughs> it's a good that's pretty good
1: Max. You bring me my money right now, capiche? <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, and they've talked about that. They've talked about just what you were saying. It's a great point that Knowles was talking about. We need to mix C.J. Hicks in there more. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a year older, and that'll help you know guys like Steele and Tommy to stay healthy. So, yeah, I, I do expect those guys to play more. But, C.J., what do you expect out of him specifically?
0: Well, I expect he's going to get to play a lot uh, because of that exact factor. I think CJ Hicks and Cody Simon are your front runners to spell Chambers and spell Eichenberg more for all of the complaints that we had about Larry Johnson over rotating the D line last year. We under rotated the linebackers by a wide margin. In fact, it was used against Ohio State recruiting how little the depth guys played at linebacker last year. So I think you're going to see CJ Hicks on the field a fair amount in important snap moments. I think that's a, a big thing that Ohio state's going to have to do. This is a guy who was a top 10 national recruit. He's a guy who was by the end of the year, it looked like he was ready to go. We're lucky he didn't get hurt on that special teams incident. And he's a guy that I think is going to play a lot. I think he is. I don't think he's going to play more than chambers or Eichenberg, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a, you know, two to one split for Hicks to get on the field a fair amount. And if he continues to pop, you know, he could easily force his way into more playing time. And I don't know at whose expense, but at the end of the day, you have two sixty-year seniors, I think, in Chambers and Eichenberg at this point, right? Fifth, fifth year, fifth year. Okay, they're not both they're both not the extra COVID year. Back.
1: They both could come back for a sixth year if they wanted to. There's, there, they, I bet they won't. Especially yeah. Tommy. Tommy wouldn't. Uh, I don't think Steel would either. Um, not that Steel would be like a high NFL draft pick or anything. He might even not even be. But like, some, you're probably just done with college after five years. Not everybody. I mean, Matt Jones is coming back for his sixth year, and thank God that he is, especially with only two uh, returning starters on the offensive line. So, uh, yeah, they're actually fifth-year seniors. Yes, sir. All is, right, I feel like
0: Steel Chambers has been here since, like, 2007. <laughs> you know, I'm still thinking back to when he started as a running back.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and he's turned into a good linebacker. Kudos to him. Yes, he has. Um, yes, he has. And, and that first year, in 2021, he, he was solid. He had a nose for the ball. But he still wasn't maybe like, you know, as, you know, didn't have that linebacker. or Maybe he wasn't as strong as he is now. Not that he wasn't no. strong, but now he I mean, he just last year, he looked like a linebacker. Then I saw him in spring look like he'd even bulked up like a little bit more. And uh, he's twitchy. I like steel. I mean, C.J. Hicks has star power where steel does not. But hey, you got a fifth year senior in steel. You got the sophomore up and coming guy in C.J. Hicks with the will. You got a hell of a middle linebacker in Tommy. I love those top three linebackers. As you mentioned, they're going to mix um, Cody Simon in there as well, another veteran. All right, let's get into some running back talk. Uh, this is so interesting to me. So they've got five scholarship running backs. Hopefully Evan Pryor is going to be healthy coming off that torn patellar tendon. All signs point to yes, but you just never know until he's actually, you know, until they release him. And he's actually is taking hits and cutting at full speed and all that. But, you mm-hmm. know, he, he was looking good in the spring running. Obviously, he didn't play or anything. All right, so rank the running backs for me. How do you think they're going to do? One through five this year. Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Dallin Hayden, Chip Traynham, Evan Pryor. Who you got, backs? Well, I'm going to
0: put Chip at five, uh, b- mostly because I think that uh, he's the low man on the totem pole. He's the transfer and He's got the younger guys that are dying to get on the field ahead of him. And you got some established guys ahead of him. So I'm going to put him at five. Um, At four right now is Evan Pryor. I think he's going to find a niche coming out of the backfield, receiving the ball, maybe some swing passes and screens. This is a guy who people forget was a dynamic top five or six all-purpose back in the country coming out of high school and was a player that last year around this time, we were like, yay, Evan Pryor. So I think he's a guy who can make a big difference. And at the end of the day, I I do think he's going to be a good player, but I think he's probably four. put Dallin Hayden at three. I think Hayden last year probably didn't get enough touches um, just because of the injury level that we were looking at. You know, he had a game or two where he broke 100 yards uh, rushing. Even against Georgia, he averaged five yards a pop. So I think this is a talented young man who, I think for Hayden, he sees that after this year, a little bit of this giant glut of running backs is going to clear up a little bit. uh, And he's going to have more opportunities in his third year at OSU. But I would put Hayden third right now. And then right now I think it's Williams at two and I think one is going to be Henderson, but the Henderson one has a star. That asterisk is, is he healthy? And has he learned to not be twinkle toes in the hole? He just has so much home run hitting power. Um, And with that stride that he has, he could easily pop through a hole and be gone. We saw it against Penn state. You know, we've seen in flashes, Henderson's the guy with the highest ceiling. Whereas if you tell me the balls in the two yard line, I want Williams having it. And I want him running through the line because he's our bowling ball. He's been our bowling ball since the national title game against Alabama a couple of years ago. So I think you have a bit of a thunder and lightning with those two. And then you have Hayden as your first guy on the field afterwards, but you essentially have a little bit of a thunder and lightning backup with the Hayden and Pryor combo as well. So, you know, I, th- I think the big question is going to be watching Trey. The big question is going to be watching Trey and how healthy he is and whether he's twinkle toes looking for that home run every time, or he's willing to hit the hole and go get nine yards when it's there. So we'll have to see. But I, I, I think it's very it, it's 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 an embarrassment of riches for Ohio State at this position. And I think at this point for the Buckeyes, the biggest thing is just going to be establishing that mentality that they will not take no for an answer, especially on short yardage. Um, Dave, this is something they're talking about the bucket last week. You remember Urban's first year or two? We would be playing against some schmuck team early on in the year. It'd be third and two, and we'd get one yard. And Urban would just take his headset, he'd slam it down, he could go get your asses back out there. And on fourth and one, you know what they do? They would go run the ball right up the damn middle and establish this attitude of being grown ass men who can get that one yard when we need it. So when you needed one yard against Michigan, odds are you got it. We haven't had that the last couple of years, and I want to see that more than anything out of our running game this year.
1: I like that. I like that. Yeah, if you're gonna, if it's third and one, you get stuff, third and two, you get stuff. I want to see. Brian Day and Justin Fry and Brian Hartline just having like a connection on the sidelines. Cause yeah, you can't you can't allow that. You've gotta you've gotta be able to get physical in there. Urban
0: used to go for it on like our own 30 in like just the first quarter because he was pissed. Just, <laughs> I lo- just,
1: just cause he was pissed. He's like, I know. All
0: all the complaints anybody's ever had about Urban Meyer being quote too hard. That right there is your championship difference. People always talk about it being a very thin line of your differential, right? That's This is the thing that James Franklin has never crossed over, despite being a pretty good coach and having had really good results for Penn State overall. That's your elite differential right there, is that utter refusal to accept anything less than what is the baseline expectation, you know? It's living out what Mike Tomlin calls the standards, the standard. Tomlin doesn't do it, but Meyer did, Right? The standard was the standard. The standard is if I give you the ball, uh, a run on third and one, and you don't get it, get your butt back out there and get that damn yard. That's building the mentality you have to have for the big games in the trenches when it matters. And we haven't had that the last couple of years. So when we talk about the running game, to me, we can say, look how talented all these guys are, right? At the end of the day, that line needs to get that little extra push, and you need to get that running back whose legs keep churning and moves that pile, that extra half yard. That's going to be a big difference because guess what? At the end of the year, you could probably point at five different opportunities like that in critical moments that define your season. And it's defined it down the last two years for Ohio State.
1: Amen to that. Amen to something else you said about the running backs. I'll give my order in a minute. It's very similar to yours. A little uh, tease there. But um, the biggest thing about this running back room is how stacked they are. I mean, it's not easy picking one through five because there's not a big gap. Um, especially if Evan Pryor's healthy. So uh, Tony Alford done a great job. That's, I mean, you know, last year, we've never seen an Ohio State running back room that decimated by injuries. We've never seen it. Um, this year, if they can just stay reasonably healthy, uh, I feel really good about that room. And um, if they can stay completely healthy, look out. And when we rank what's going to happen this year, a lot of it's going to probably depend on injuries, you know? But, you know, taking that out of the equation, because you, you really can't factor that in at this point, Um I agree with Travion Henderson, number one. I'm gonna put him num- number one. Now he he does. He's gotta show you know a little bit um, you know better vision. He's just gotta, you know, take what the defense gives him at times while still being able to hit that home run when he needs to. Okay. Every, you know, you can be a great hitter that hits 40 home runs in a year, but sometimes you're gonna to need to hit those singles and doubles and take some walks too. So and I think he can do that. Mayan Williams went healthy, which he was not at the end of last year, but was early in the year. At one point, he was leading the the entire country in yards per carry. Give me Maya number two, man, it's splitting hairs from this point. I'll go Dallin Hayden three. I'll go chip four just because of two things. I thought chip looked really good in the spring. Every time we were out there, not just a spring game, uh, although he looked good in the spring game too. Every time we were out there, he looked good to me, but I give him the edge because of Evan coming off of a serious injury. Um, A lot of people said it was a torn ACL It was actually a torn patellar tendon. Um, and hopefully he'll be okay. But I'll, just because he's coming off the injury, I'll place him fifth. But if Evan Pryor or Chip Trianium is your fifth best running back, boy, you've got some good depth there. All right, let's get you out of here. Out on this. I know you got to get to your real job. <laughs> uh, you're, you're an engineer. You should be an engineer part time in Bucknuts, full time. Kidding. Probably wouldn't uh, pay the same, huh? All right. This is from Jordan, <laughs> and this is the reason I'm putting this up. There's been a lot of comments and questions about Aaron Scott um, in our comment section during the live broadcast. So let's get to this. Jordan's question is: What do you think of Aaron Scott's interview yesterday? I'm a little concerned that he's going to be going north. Um, I'll give my take, then Baxton close it out with his. I know he was wearing Michigan gear and all this. Here's my take: I think he's having fun with the process. And now there's been all this smoke lately that oh, he's going to be a Buckeye, going to be a Buckeye, going to be a Buckeye. Michigan fans are upset about it. He's committing on his dad's birthday, so I think he wanted to. He realized oh, I've been having all this fun. No one knows what's happening. Now everybody thinks oh, I'm going to Ohio State. I better, you know, maybe throw a, you know, to have have a little fun out there and throw some Michigan gear on. That's my take. I think Aaron Scott's going to be a Buckeye. Baxendale, what do you think?
0: Well, first of all, he had all that Michigan gear on because that's similar colors to his school that he was out playing with. So you know, the 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 blue and yellow he's wearing makes sense, right? That's it's true. the that's team scheme. Colors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's the it's the team scheme. Uh, at the end of the day. You're right. At least, look, he 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 was at an official visit weekend with a bunch of Glenvillers who have always been the kings of dragging the process out and trying to make it as nebulous as possible before committing to Ohio State. There's, I think, been very few ex- exceptions over the history of Glenville to that rule. So I, I think Scott is trying to have a little bit of fun here. I've always felt that the number one threat to, to Ohio State wasn't Michigan, it was Oregon, because the kid grew up an Oregon fan. Like, like that's the story that everybody talks about is that he loved Oregon as a kid, even though his dad's a giant Ohio state fan. Um, and the commit on his dad's birthday, who is a giant Ohio state fan, by the way, to me is like a, here, here's your sign. But <laughs> the, the reality is there until I see Bill Curlick or until I see Steve Wilfong, right. I still see some of these guys who know the kid and talk to the kid put a crystal ball in anywhere other than Ohio State, I'm not worried. There are a few big names out there right now that are supposed to be Ohio State. This is the least impacted by potential um, upping of NIL like Lightfoot. And guess what? He's a Springfield kid. Ohio State doesn't lose Springfield kids very often, and they especially don't lose them to teams in the Big Ten. Right, You can talk about a Trey Priest getting pulled by Alabama 15 years ago or whenever that was at this point 10 years ago. Reality is, watch what they do, not what they say at this point. And I, I would be – if backs had a crystal ball, I'd have it on Aaron Scott right now, for at, least, at like a nine. Now, it's a good thing I don't have one, right, because I just sit here and have my opinion. I don't sit here and talk to these kids a ton. Um, but the people we trust, everything we're hearing, I'm perfectly confident that in – 18 days, Aaron Scott will put a hat just like this one on his head and we'll go, all right, mission achieved. Got the top two corners in Ohio and a pretty darn good one out of Arizona as a third.
1: I think you nailed it. I think he's going to be a Buckeye. Great stuff from Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday, It Is The Bucket. Thank you very much to Bax. Thanks to all of you. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, you like the show, please subscribe if you have not already. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. would appreciate that very much. Thanks again to Bax. Thanks to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Go Bucks.